Our two readings this morning are taken from Isaiah and Mark. So the first reading is from Isaiah chapter 9 and is verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Our second reading is taken from Mark chapter 4, verses 34 to 41. That's Mark chapter 4, verses 34 to 41. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. These are God's words. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Titles matter, don't they? Sometimes we're given titles, sometimes we have to work really hard to gain them. People like sports stars get awarded titles so that we have Sir Mo Farah and Dame Kelly Holmes and Sir Andy Murray. You might get a title if you work in a certain job in the military, you might become a captain, a commander, or a colonel. In the NHS, you might become a staff nurse or a matron. In education, the pinnacle is to become a professor. And the church has lots of very odd titles. Reverend and very reverend and most reverend and right, right reverend. I often think of myself as almost reverend. That's how I feel most of the time. These are titles that we acquire through life, but some can be given at birth. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These were the titles to be given to a child who was to be born, a real person. The prophet says these will be given to a child for unto us a child is born, to us a child is given. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Today we're looking at the second of those titles, Mighty God, which let's face it is a pretty big title to claim. You'd need an ego the size of a planet to, to exclaim to somebody else that you were a mighty God. If I said I was a mighty God, you'd probably think I'd been working too hard and needed some time off. But we have someone who we follow who can claim to be a mighty God. And our gospel reading helps us to think about this. For there is Jesus in the boat with his disciples. The waves get bigger and the waves are a force of nature with amazing power. And it would take a mighty God to put out his hand and to say to the waves, be still and for them to be hushed. And you know, this was predicted as a sign of God's power right back in Psalm 107, hundreds of years before Jesus was born. There in 100, Psalm 107, verse 28, it says, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desi desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds amongst men. Jesus showed us that he is the mighty God. There's only been ever one person in history who might claim these titles. And that person is Jesus who lived and died and rose again. If that sounds strange or odd to you, then we've got an alpha course coming up after Christmas and you can explore a bit more of that with us. But for those who trust and believe in Jesus, this is the reality that we can rest in, that the one we follow is a mighty God. He's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We sing about that when we come to worship him. And we need to make sure that we live that out in our lives. So what does it mean for Jesus to be a mighty God in this pandemic, in this Advent, and as we approach Christmas? Well, firstly, what does it mean for Jesus to be a mighty God in the midst of this pandemic? And the key for me is that he is the one who is in charge. He is the one who has control. He is the one who has the big plan. So it really doesn't matter what I believe or uh, what I think. It doesn't matter and I don't need to worry whether the scientists have got it right about the vaccine or the government have got it right about a three-tier system because I know that God is in charge and he has a plan for all of us. Remember that this passage was written by Isaiah when the people of God were in a time of trouble. There was a time when they'd been the big superpower in the Middle Eastern region, but those days had long gone, and now they were surrounded by enemies. They were facing exile. They were facing the end of life as they knew it. A whole new situation was upon them. But into those days, this promise was given. It was a hope to hold on to. And we've talked a lot about hope in these last months. It would be nine more centuries before Jesus arrived to fulfill this promise. A child who would be born to us, a son who would be given 
and his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. And he would demonstrate his power because he is and always was a mighty God. So we have this hope to bring us confidence in the midst of this pandemic, this hope that we can hold on to, this hope that there is a man with a plan and his name is Jesus. So then what does this mighty God title mean for us in this Advent? Well, Advent is a time for waiting and getting ready. We look forward to what the promises of God will bring for us. It allows us to brush up on our patience and to rest in the knowledge that Jesus will be revealed again at Christmas. And we look back at what God has already done so that we can look forward. And in verse three of this passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 9, verse 3, it says these words, that you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest. Trusting in our mighty God now helps us, for we have a God who brings us joy, who wants us to know his joy in our lives. He has given us amazing gifts and one of the most precious is the joy that we have and hold in our hearts because Jesus's Holy Spirit has been released to us. In Advent, in these days, as the nights get darker, we might light an Advent candle to remind us that Jesus is the light of the world. But that's just an outward sign of the light that rests within us. In these dreary, damp days of darkness, the Holy Spirit, Jesus's Holy Spirit, should bring us a joy that makes a difference in our lives. There is a saying that some people have discovered just enough about Christianity to make them thoroughly miserable. Because if you discover all the do not commandments, all the religious rules that none of us can ever fully follow, then it will make you miserable. And you need to move on to discover God's Holy Spirit for his joy to fill us. Someone else has said it would help if more Christians told their faces that their hearts were filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Joy needs to be a sign of who we are, a sign that the world around us recognises because we have a mighty God who brings us joy in the deepest darkness. So let's be clear, we have this joy set firmly in our hearts so that it can occasionally appear here on our faces. I've started uh, a new game uh, on the way into work. I always say good morning and, uh, to people that I pass as I walk in and I've started counting the effect of these good mornings as I smile at people as I go past them. So I count how many people I get to smile and say good morning to, and then how many respond. So on Thursday, I was six and two. I had six people I smiled at and said good morning, and two of them responded. On Friday, I managed an eight and four. There aren't that many people around at the moment, so uh, you need to make the most of each person that you go past and just give them a smile and say good morning. Because it's okay to have some joy in the midst of this pandemic. 
Spike Milligan wrote a poem that starts, smiling is infectious, you catch it like the flu. We need to show people that it's okay to smile even in the midst of all of this. Couldn't our city do with a bit more joy right now? Why don't you try it this week? Just a smile and a good morning might make all the difference to someone's day. So we have a God who brings us joy in Advent and hope in the midst of a pandemic. And as we approach Christmas, we need to see that we have a mighty God who chose love to change the world. Our mighty God chose love to win his greatest victory. When we talk about a mighty God, we need to remember that it's not uh, a mighty warrior in full armor with a sword and a shield to smash his way into our world and overcome all of his enemies. We have a mighty God who chose to become vulnerable and small, to be born in a stable. He stepped into the ordinary existence of a young mother and her new husband who'd been made outcasts, not welcomed by their relatives, but setting up camp in an outhouse to give birth to their baby. Our mighty God is not a God of great armies or military power. He's a God made mighty in love and grace, tender and forgiving, longing for restoration and renewal. He's not a God who's bothered with all the superficial shiny stuff. He's a God who's concerned for the poor and the outcast, the refugee and the marginalized. Our God is someone who works in the cracks and the spaces between the systems and the structures that make the world work so that government restrictions and lockdowns can't stop him because our mighty God is a God of this love that lets ordinary people step out onto the front line and make a difference in our world today. So his symbol is not a great warrior. His symbol is the lamb that was given for the sins of the world. He won his greatest victory over our greatest enemy in the most outrageous act of love that's ever been seen by dying on a cross in our place. Our mighty God is still present in the love that is shared in families and friends, in schools and streets, in Friday fridge or a food bank, in our outreach and in our life groups. Our mighty God is a God who is happy to be born amongst the straw laid in a manger with all the muck and the sheep and the goats. There's a picture on Facebook that says something about this. The first Christmas was pretty simple. It's okay if yours is too. And it seems to me that this Christmas might be a chance to recalibrate how we do Christmas, to move it away from all the consumerism that's taken it over and to get back to the original purpose of Christmas that it's about God's love invading our world. Our mighty God is a God who loves us and cares for us. And he enters into our ordinary existence to make his home with us. 
Jesus came to be with us, to abide in us. We have a mighty God who conquered by self-sacrifice and serving others. And perhaps this year gives us to do a chance to do the same by making a hamper of hope or contributing some goodies to Friday Fridge, by singing carols down our street, by connecting with someone on Christmas Day who would otherwise be alone. We need to be people of love. I want to finish uh, with a story that's come to mind as we've lurched in and out of lockdown that might help to put things in perspective for us. There was once a rickety old fishing boat that was overloaded with migrants who set out across a great sea to find hope on another shore. And as they lost sight of land, the wind got up and the boat's ancient engine churned on, but the waves got bigger and the boat began to take on water. And just as it got dark, the migrants on the ship saw lights ahead of them of a boat coming towards them. And a rumor started that this boat was a pirate boat filled with ruthless men who would come and kill them and steal all their possessions. So the people became agitated and some leaned over one side to get a better view and then moved to the other side to see if they could see what was on this ship that was approaching them. And then people started to run from one side to the other as the panic set in and it got worse and worse. The boat tipped and tilted and took on more water. The situation was really dangerous until people noticed an old woman sat in the middle of the deck who was still and who was praying. And some of the people stopped and joined her and they knelt and prayed with her and others stopped and the boat began to settle safely on the waves. And the ship that was coming towards them was a rescue boat that took them all carefully on board and safely to another shore. And you see, it appears to me that we might have something in common with that ship. It might just be that we need to be the people who sit and stop and pray, who trust in an almighty God, who know that this is where our salvation lies. A salvation that brings us joy beyond recognition. This brings us the peace that we long to find. So let's be the people of hope and joy and love. That let those around us see that we have a mighty God. Because we follow Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, none of us know for certain what the future will bring. We're having trouble getting our heads around all the changes. So help us to see that you are a mighty God and that you are the firm foundation that we can all rest upon. And that even in the middle of the storm, if we stop and call upon you, we will know your mighty power at work in us and in our world. Amen.